Well, it is such a, just a pleasure to be here and, and an honor and uh, very grateful to, uh, to be able to build the kingdom with you. You know, every, everything that we do has a purpose. Everything that God's created us to do has a purpose. And <clears throat> for those of you, um, met this young lady, I'm sorry, I forgot your name again. I humbly apologize. It's not Sally. <laughs> but uh, some, some way, oh, okay. Thank you. It was delicious. It was very nice. Um, but um, <clears throat> whether, you know, we've met before or not before, uh, growing up in New York my whole life, upstate, about two hours north of the city, it's all country, just farms and uh, apple orchards and that kind of stuff and mountains, skiing, and we were trapping in school, making money when we were growing up, riding motorcycles, dirt bikes, all of that stuff. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, God, uh, me and my father didn't get along, joined the military, uh, the Air Force, and um, spent four years there <clears throat> with me and him uh, disagreeing vehemently. And... Uh, they stuck me on Guam, and I said, well, what state is Guam in? And uh, this lady lieutenant, she comes up. She said, I think it's in the state of Washington. And I said, all right, that'll work. There's good hunting and fishing there. And apparently neither one of us knew where Guam was. <laughs> but I found out where it was, and I said, are you kidding me? They're going to stick me in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And so we went out there, and God really started uh, de- dealing with some issues in my life that, um, you know, were there came back um, after we were flying through typhoons and hurricanes. So we did Philippines, Okinawa, Korea, Midway, Kwajiwai, all of them over there, and then came back to uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. And then while I was in Biloxi, I realized that after two and a half, three years in the military, I was uh, just as insecure as the day that I went in. Uh, I was just as lonely as the day that I went in. I was just as confused about what life was when I went in. And I hadn't learned anything. And all the guys that I grew up with in the firehouse because everybody went, joined the firehouse at 16, you know. There, in our town, there were no red lights. Uh, there still isn't. Uh, there was uh, 1,375 people when I, uh, when I left. <clears throat> I think there's 1,377 now. And, um, but it was just small town, USA. And so <clears throat> we went, when I joined the firehouse, they were like, boy, where do you get to the Philippines? That's living. And I was talking to Mike over here about the Philippines. And then the other guy, where do you get to Germany? That's living. And... All right, I'm 21 years old. I've done all of them. And uh, when I was in Biloxi, we did England, Germany, Iceland, Azores, Goose Bay, all of those. And uh, flying weather for US-1. And so now I'm 21, heading for 22. And uh, I've done everything that they said living amounted to nothing. Uh, We drank everything we could drink and ran with everything that would run. And still just as lonely and confused and lost. And then... uh, um, my mom had been praying. My mom got saved in the 70s, and when I would go home on leave, I'd go to Twitter only to appease her and then go back out with my night. <clears throat> but, um, you know, God started working on me through prayer. And all of us are here because somebody prayed for us. Amen? We might not even know who they are or where they came from or when they were praying for us, but somebody was praying for us. And my mom was praying, and <clears throat> one of the funny things, I, I called her, I don't know, just about six months before I got saved. Or no, right after yeah, just before I got saved. And I said, you know, Mom, it's weird. I said, man, I can't find a date. And she's like, well, me and my mom used to talk about everything, you know, because me and Dad, we didn't have a relationship. Uh, there was a lot of bitterness there. And she was like, oh, yeah? I said, yeah, it's been six months. I offered dinner, movies, everything. I said, this has never happened to me in my entire life. Never. And she just started laughing on the phone. And uh, 
I said, what's so funny? She said, well, me and my prayer group have been praying that you would never have another date until you met the woman that you were going to marry. I said, Mom, are you kidding me? And uh, sure enough, a few months later, I opened the yellow pages in, in Biloxi, and it said Cedar Lake Christian Assembly, and I had no idea what that meant. But I said, all right, I'll go tomorrow, Lord. And uh, another guy walked in the day room. I said, hey, want to go to church tomorrow? He said, yeah, why not? We did everything else. Let's go to church. So me and him went to church. And I noticed something in church that I, had not, that I hadn't experienced before, and that was people love one another. And, you know, it's one of the most beautiful things that there is on the planet is when men and women come together as brothers and sisters, and they just they love God, and then they love one another. It is such a beautiful picture when the world comes in, and those that haven't experienced that, it changes the way that you see things. It changed everything in my life. One time I walked in, and said, man, there's something to this. I don't know what it is, but there's something to this. And I left, um, went about six times that year because I was TDY back to Guam and stuff. And, and then this girl asked me to go. She said, hey, well, you got to come Friday night. We got a singer, David Baroni. He was a piano player back in the 80, late 80s. And the guy had a phenomenal voice. And so uh, he sang. And um, I, went for, I went up front, gave my heart to the Lord. And uh, never drank again and married the girl that asked me to go to church 10 months later. And now it's been 31 years, five kids, five grandkids. And uh, God just, in one moment, in one moment, a complete train wreck of a life. Having a problem with authority, and the military helps you with that. They uh, condition you to uh, relax on that. Um, But in one moment with God, everything started changing. One moment in his presence, and everything that I thought I knew, I had no idea. And God started changing everything. And I want to encourage you tonight, that as we look at the Word of God, no matter where you're at, whether it's Pastor Wayne or the rest of, you know, everybody else in here, God is changing you right now. You're at. He's changing you. I've got one over. They left one. Yeah, sorry. My voice, uh, it gets a little bit scratchy. <clears throat> and I stuff like that. I put- but we're doing, uh, we just got doing, and we were in uh, India for a day, and a couple of just, and just night, day, night and day, and, and then we get to church, a couple, we, have, we got a Bible college at the church, so I teach for three Tuesday night, and then preach for an hour on Wednesday night, and then Thursday night council, and took and came <clears throat> You know, as we, with the Lord, and answer to him, he wants to change us. How many did a lot when we first accepted him, and we thought, oh yeah, I got this. And then we, as we didn't have anything, we had Christ, but we still out of who we were in us. And a lot of the things that my dad had planted in me, um, it, was, it was abusive with my mother and with us kids. And so, you know, there was bitterness, hate, and all of that. And I realized that without God, I would have self-destructed every relationship I was ever in. I didn't know what relationships were all about. Because if you don't know him, you have no idea what love is. And if you don't, have, if you don't know who he is, you're going to try to extract it out of someone. Right? Guys will try to extract it out of a woman. A woman will try to extract it out of a guy. Your job is to please me and to meet all of my needs, no matter who they are. Without Christ, that's the thought process. And therefore, we try to demand something from someone in order to fulfill our own needs when instead of looking to the Father and He's the one that heals us, and once that healing starts to take place, demand or trying to get someone else to fulfill you, now it's a gleaning from Him and we start to give. But before that, it's to take something because of what we lack. We're looking in the wrong direction. And, you know, I tell all of our teenagers back home, I said, listen, if he doesn't know Jesus, I tell all of our, all of our girls, I said, look at it, if he's Jesus Christ, do one thing for me. They said, what's that? I said, run. 
Just run. Guys, same thing. If she doesn't know Christ, run. Because she will try to put a demand on you that you, you're not big enough, strong enough, smart enough, and there's not enough money in the world to satisfy without Jesus Christ. And the guy's the same way. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, that as we walked in to that relationship with the Father, at that moment everything changed. We were, the Scripture says that we were, uh, we were ripped out of darkness and translated into his marvelous light. Amen? So now we're in the light as he is in the light. Therefore, he starts to shine the light as we sang that song, that there's no shadow he won't light up. We all agree with that, but we don't like that. Because there's some shadows that we don't want anybody to see. Or anybody to, we don't want anybody ever hearing about on this side of eternity. Every, every one of us have issues in the past that we have walked in that we don't want that. When God starts shining a light in those, in those most personal places, we start to get scared. What happens if anybody ever hears of this? How will they receive me? Well, they're going to receive you the same way the Father receives you. Because when we walk in the things of God, God does an amazing work. And what he's doing an amazing work here with you that are here. Five years, congratulations. That's beautiful that you've been at it for five years. And can I, oh, six now? Oh, sorry, you were showing me the film, uh, the video today. That was, he's showing me year-old stuff, you know? What am I supposed to do? I hope we didn't eat year-old food or nothing like that in your house. I mean, I hope, hope that's frequent. But um, <clears throat> now it's six years, and, you know, they, they say that with churches it's three to five years getting things up and getting them moving. And I want to encourage you, don't look at what's here. <clears throat> We've got to see a lot farther than what's here. We've got to be able to see and be so excited about what God has already accomplished and now what he's getting ready to do. You know, we're so thankful for Wayne and Michelle to say, hey, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'll go. <clears throat> it's so difficult to get men to step out and walk away from what they know and then be able to trust God to say, I'll go. It's so hard. <clears throat> Everybody wants to do it according to their terms where they're in control of it. And then I got to get everything set before I do this. Uh, we just celebrated March 28th. We just celebrated 20 years at the church in Hudson and um, watching and seeing what God is doing. <clears throat> and I want to encourage you, we started out just like this. We had, uh, after about four or five years, it was 15 or about 20, 25 people, uh, maybe 30 at the time. And that was it. And I was praying and crying out and saying, Lord, what am I doing wrong? I mean, I don't know about you do, but that's what I was doing. I, I figured it had to be me because I didn't think it was God. <clears throat> but I just started crying out, and we just started. We'd fast, and we would pray. I'd encourage you to pick that up again. And um, the fasting, not for any other reason, just fasting, all right? <clears throat> but, um, you know, as we fast and pray, because some of these don't come out, and there are things going around, on around here that we need the Spirit of God in the midst of it. Amen? We need the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is in this place. The worship was beautiful tonight, absolutely beautiful. It was relaxed. It wasn't driving. It was a time to enter in to that place with the King of Glory. And he just loves it when we spend time with him. He's not interested in all the, the lights and the power driving in a hundred people. And I mean, that's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with it. But these times, it's gorgeous. So make sure you enjoy them because when it changes and when the building isn't big enough anymore and you move into the next venue, 
I remember when we moved into the next church, we had a very small place, and they sold it uh, six months after I, I got there, and they wouldn't sell it. It was a church, a Wesleyan church, and they said, we're not selling it to you because you're a church. They sold it to a dance studio. I said, are you kidding me? People gave of their lives in order to build little bitty church. And then we moved into the big church, and everybody was like, you know, all 20 of us. And uh, we were renting at an uh, old Baptist church. It was built in 1860. And it was, they hadn't changed the carpets or nothing since 68. So we had to put green tape over green carpet for weddings and stuff like that. It was bad. People would go off the pew and rip their, rip their blue jeans or their drip pants because the nails were sticking. We'd go down and drive the nails down. Every Sunday, we had kids going through and pounding nails down. In the, but we didn't own the building. We couldn't do nothing about it. You know, we'd uh, live within those rules. But everybody was like, oh, this place is so big. It's just, you know, there's no, all the personal, all the intimacy is gone. And, you know, now it's small. And now they're complaining there's not enough room. So... We go through phases. Enjoy this one. Enjoy this one, but being praying and expecting and knowing where we're going from here because he's got a bigger plan than what you're enjoying right now. And right now, it's about building leaders. It's about building a foundation. It's building because if growth comes and we don't have any leaders, what, guess what happens to the growth? They just walk on out because nobody is there to train them, to equip them, to love them, to bring them over to the house and to bless them. All right? So I just want to encourage you. Stay at it. It's amazing, and uh, he's a glorious king. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to 1 Chronicles 29, 11. Is that up there? Oh, okay. <clears throat> and it says, Thine, O Lord, is, thy, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Now, we would all agree with that statement but I don't know if we, we would live that statement. Because there's areas in our lives. Oh, did I not switch it? I'm sorry, it's First Chronicles 29, 11. Oh, well, that's all right. I'm pretty, <clears throat> this is First Chronicles 29, 11, okay, that I was reading from. And I'll read it again for you one more time for those that were looking at Second Chronicles. But thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. He's got it? And the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. And we all, we can all agree that are here, I'm sure, that when we accepted Jesus Christ, we made him the head. We said of all, but we limited him. Every one of us limited him in certain areas. We agreed with this scripture. We agreed, oh, Lord, yes, yours is the kingdom. And we believe and we agree that the kingdom of God is here and now. Amen? Right? He established his kingdom. Jesus Christ came down to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so as he came down and he stood here on the earth, he established everything that Jesus did. He simply wanted to say, hey, guys, come here, walk with me. Follow me. We're going to eat together. I'm going to show you how your needs are going to be supplied. We're going to, we're going to walk in such a way. You're going to walk in the power and the authority that I have. I want you to see how we do it in eternity. That's all I want to do. I'm here to show you. We did it with the laws. We did it with Adam and Eve. <clears throat> Adam made some mistakes. Eve made a mistake. Adam listened to Eve instead of God. 
And then we have these years of Israel rising and falling over and over again. And now we come into the New Testament. Now we have 400 years just before the New Testament of, of darkness where the word of God wasn't hardly heard on the earth. And then we have Jesus comes and he says, I just want to show you how we do it in eternity. I want to show you that everything the Father says, that's all I do. Everything, and the Holy Spirit, when he comes after me, he's only going to do and say what he heard and saw me do. He's not going to do anything different. I'm going to show you how it's done. Guys, come here. Let's eat together. All right. Let's, let's drink together. Let's walk together. I'm going to allow you to go out. He trains up the 70, sends them out two by two <clears throat> before he's dead, buried, and raised again. And they walk out, and they walk in the authority and the power that Jesus had because he was part of the kingdom, and the kingdom was established. Kingdom principles were established in their hearts and in their lives. And that's what Jesus wants to do for each one of us. He wants you to understand the love that you understand is limited. His is unlimited. We all have limited love in our hearts. Without him, it's an impossibility for me. I would have never come to Tucson or Marana. It's just that simple without the love of God. It wouldn't have happened. It would have been a nice place to stop over or whatever, you know. But it wouldn't be some place that I would come back to except for the love of God compels us to come and to encourage, to strengthen, and to build, and to bless, and to take whatever we have and sow it into his kingdom so that he's glorified in Marana. And that's what, that's what Christ wants to do with husbands and wives. He said, look at <clears throat> you have heard, but I say. This is, what, this is the way it is. Divorce, he doesn't like divorce. He hates it. We know that. But so many people, if there is a divorce, then they get condemned and convicted, and they feel like, oh, now I can't be used of God. Can I tell you that's not true? It's not true at all. That's what man has said. But the word of God says that his grace is sufficient. Amen? Even in the midst of our greatest failures, and no one in this room has failed more than I have. None. I mean, we can sit down and write them all down, and I guarantee you I have failed more than everybody else in this room. <clears throat> and God yet still says, I'm going to take care of everything for your future. I'm going to bless everything you put your hands to. I'm going to open up doors no matter where you walk, and I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And God gave me a bride that I did not deserve. My wife grew up in the church um, where I got saved her whole life. You know, she never drank, never smoked, never swore, nothing. Um, she just was raised in church. And uh, I wasn't. And we did everything. Contra I did everything contrary to the way that she grew up. And I told her before we got married, I said, listen, um, I think you deserve more and something much better than what you're getting. I just want to say this ahead of time before you say I do. And uh, she said, well, she said, did God forgive you? I said, well, that's what that pastor told me anyway when I prayed that prayer. I'm not so sure. And uh, she said, no, I what did he say? He said, no, he said, all of my sins were forgiven. She said, well, if God can forgive you, I'll forgive you too. And we'll start from here. I said, I don't know. You got some problems, girl. And I, I don't think you can see too clearly right now. And, uh, but she saw something different than what I knew. But she didn't know everything that was going through my head. Thank God. And she never will. Nobody ever will know all the thoughts that go through any of our heads. Amen. So, God came down. Everything is his, and we agree to that. Our lives are his. Every breath that we have is his. All that we possess. <clears throat> so many times when it comes to tithing, you know, people, that we talk about 10%, which the Scripture talks about. 
And in reality, God owns 100% of what you have. Amen? All of your finances, your vehicles, houses, everything, we're just simply stewards of that. So he says, hey, give me 10% of what I've given you. Or give me 10% of what's mine. And I'll give you 90% of what's mine. It's amazing. And we say, oh, no, I want 100% of what's yours, and you get nothing. I'm a better steward of what you have than, I, than you are. And it's amazing how foolish our mind is. We don't understand the kingdom. And Jesus talked about the kingdom a lot in the scriptures. You know, he only talked about the church twice. Only two times did Jesus talk about the church in the scriptures. <clears throat> but he talked about the king 145 times. He came to preach one thing, the kingdom, because in that we find all of our freedom. Amen? All of our freedom is found in the way they lived. And that kingdom just mean, simply means the king's dominion. It's that thing. There is nothing on this planet that's outside the dominion of God. There's nothing. Anything that is here, he is over. Now, whether we allow it, we, we surrender it to him or not, is a different ballgame. But walking in dominion is simply walking according to the word of God. Whatever the word says, if we're going to walk in dominion, I'm going to walk according to the word. If I'm going to walk in dominion in my finances, then I'm going to take my 10%, give it, and then I'm going to give above and beyond that. Why? Because I know that no matter how much I give, my God's going to multiply. Because if he can get it through me, he can get it to me. But if he can't get it through me, I'm going to stifle and stop that. The scripture says, cast your bread upon the water. <clears throat> and then if I'm going to walk according to the kingdom principles when it comes to my wife, then I'm going to have to uh, love my wife the way that Christ loved the church. And I'm going to have to figure out how Christ loved the church. He loved the church so much. He laid his life down and he died for the church. <clears throat> and we uh, that through the, <clears throat> excuse me, through the scriptures, that when you 4.17, we see where it's after, right? He dies in the Holy Spirit. He was tempted in nothing that he... And then the scripture says, he preached the kingdom. That's all he preached was the kingdom of God. And we're so limited in what we've allowed God or how we've allowed God to use us. And we've limited what we believe or what we have seen in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> um, we had a, a young boy on Sunday. He comes up to me. His name is Jameson. I didn't know who he was. I've never seen him before. His mom, they, they've been coming for a while. I just hadn't met him. And... Um, Jameson comes up, and we have all the kids line up before they go to kids' church after worship, and we always pray over them every Sunday before they go back. And he comes up to me just before church, and he says, Pastor? I said, yeah. I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Jameson. Nice to meet you, Jameson. He's eight years old. I said, what's going on? He said, my sister's been in the hospital for nine days with migraines so bad she can't hardly see or function, and she's got no feeling in her right leg. She said, but Pastor, if you'll pray, she'll get healed, and my mom will be really blessed. All right, Jameson, you got a deal. So we went through worship, and then we brought all the kids up. And Jameson's over there, and I said, you know, I just want to introduce Jameson. He's my new best friend right here. And uh, so I told him what Jameson had said, and people were weeping all over the place. Because you see, faith in the kingdom of God. More so than most people that come every week. There's people that have heard it for a very long time. But Jameson said, if you'll pray, my soul will get healed. And you'll bless my mom, too. <clears throat> and so I said, all right, can we all pray for Jameson? Yep, we prayed for Jameson. And uh, I got a text later on that afternoon. His sister woke up at 11, and she didn't feel right. And she said, all of a sudden, bang, headaches were gone, feeling in her leg, and she left the hospital two hours later. 
one moment because of the because of the power of the kingdom of God or faith in the kingdom. Amen. And that's where we've got to get to is we've got to stop looking at well, well, it didn't work for me. Wait a minute. No, no, no. The kingdom power always works. Amen. It doesn't stop working in our lives. And if it'll work for little Jameson, he doesn't have a clue what the scripture says. If you asked him what the kingdom was about, he would say, uh, I have no idea. Maybe he saw the movie. But outside of that, he doesn't know. The only thing he knew was we're in church. God is here in this place. And if somebody will step out in faith and pray, my sister will get it. sister was 21 years old. And here's a little eight-year-old. She's supposed to be in church this Sunday. We don't know. She's never been there before. But these are things that... You know, what happened in the kingdom, no different than when Jesus said, <clears throat> when he was tempted with all three things, and they're the same temptations that we get all the time, right? It's the same three. It does not change. Nothing ever changes. The devil's only got one trick, and that's to deceive each and every one of us. <clears throat> but the kingdom is uh, the manifestation uh, of God in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I want to live manifesting God in my life. In order to do that, I'm going to have to agree with what he said, that I have stepped out of darkness, that darkness no longer rules my life. And now I, I, I live under a whole another set of rules, the set of rules that says no matter where I go, I have dominion, because that's what the Scripture said, right? said he gave us dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, <clears throat> and the animals on the, on the earth. But there's one thing he didn't give us dominion over, and that's people. The only thing he didn't give us dominion over is people. So therefore, <clears throat> we, is there a problem here? Or <laughs> We don't have dominion over people. That's where we come and we surrender to the Father. And when we surrender, we step into a whole new, another set of rules where I'm no longer under uh, the condemnation because there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Amen? So when we step out of the darkness into his marvelous light, and when he starts to shine that light in there, when he starts to shine the light deep inside of our hearts, I don't know about you, but I got scared because I thought that I was hiding things pretty good. I thought I was hiding them really well, and I could control this. But how many know we're just being controlled by the lie of the enemy? We're not controlling anything. We're out of control, but he, he's in control. <clears throat> and so as we step into that kingdom and as we give him that authority, he said, look at I've come, and from then on, I'm preaching the kingdom. I'm preaching the truth. You have heard, but I say. And here's what I'm saying. I want you to know that every step that you take, I'm with you. I want you to know no matter how, far, how hard you fall, I'll always be there to pick you up. He said, I don't care where you go, I'm going to be with you. I was talking to a pastor the other day, um, starting a church in Adam, Florida. Him and his wife, they had moved from Dallas <clears throat> to um, Florida. And um, we were sitting there discussing. They, uh, they asked me to come on their board and uh, just try to help them out some. And so we're sitting there discussing, uh, you know, trying to, are we in the will of God here in Florida? And I said, well, I said, here's the principle of the kingdom. I said, are you in love with the Father? Yeah. Are you preaching the word of God? They said, yeah. I said, well, if you preach it in Dallas or you preach it in Florida, it doesn't matter. She said, you mean we could have stayed in Dallas? 
But you see, that's the issue in the kingdom. The issue is, and I don't want to make a mistake, we're so filled with the idea of making a mistake. We get overwhelmed with the thought of making a mistake. God isn't overwhelmed by your mistakes. Thank God for that, amen? We get overwhelmed, and other people overwhelm us with our own mistakes, don't they? How many times do they remind us of every mistake that we make? <clears throat> Any time that we stumble before, they remind us of the mistake that we're making. But the bottom line is, with this couple that started a church, I said, if you go to the right and you preach, and you're, you're in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you preach the gospel, you're right. And if you go to the left, and you're in love with God, and you're preaching the gospel, you're right. It doesn't matter. We get caught up in, oh, am I doing it all right? No, we're not doing it all right. We understand that. God understands that. We don't do it all right. My marriage isn't perfect, but it's a lot farther than it was 31 years ago. We're doing things a whole lot different. My children, they're not where they were 29, 27, 25, 14, 11 years ago. They're all changing and they're growing. Our finances are not in the same place they were 31 years ago. We were five of us, and I was making 300 bucks a week. And then uh, I come off a roof and blew my elbow out, and uh, the disability paid $180 a week. So we had five of us living on $180 a week. And uh, my wife went down and asked for some help with some services. And uh, the lady said, it's impossible. Five people can't live on $180 a week. And we had our own place, and she said, well, all of our bills are paid, ma'am. And yes, with God, all things are possible. And, you know, there was money we didn't ask, but money was in the, in the mailbox every week. And it was enough to cover the bills every week. We didn't have extra. I was working um, morning and night trying to make some extra money. My wife's big Friday night out. She would go down to the little general store. That's all we had in town. And she would, <clears throat> we had the three kids. She would buy two pieces of pizza and get a VHS movie for $1.99. And that was her Friday night out. She would tell, come back to the house. She'd cut the two pieces of pizza in half, and everybody got a half of a piece of pizza, and that was their Friday night. And they watched the movie because that's all we had at the time. But you know what? We kept tithing when I was making $180 a week. We kept tithing. We were making $300 a week. And God just kept adding two. <clears throat> and everybody was, you know, not everybody, my father and some others, they were like, you know, you need to stop doing that, boy. You need to stop giving to church. You need to pay your bills. But all of our bills were paid, and we were fed. We didn't know how. End of the year, we couldn't figure it out. But it's the principle of the kingdom. You see, people that aren't in the kingdom, they think you're weird. All right? And you are. All right? You are. But <clears throat> they think you're weird because of the thoughts that you have that giving your money away makes a way for your bills to be taken care of. But that's a, that's a kingdom principle. And can I tell you, we, we just kept on walking through it day after day. And uh, in the beginning, I argued with my wife. And I said, listen, we can't afford to tithe. My father's right. And she said, oh, we're tithing. I said, no, we're not. I'm brand new in Christianity. She's been in her whole life, you know. Thank God for her stability in the beginning. And uh, I said, look, we're not tithing. She said, and we're in church. We're sitting in chairs. And uh, she said, uh, all right. Well, don't you have to usher? I said, yeah, I'll be right back. She said, good, because I have the checkbook. <laughs> so we tithed that week again, and I lost that one, and I'm very grateful. Listen, I don't know who's struggling on which end of whatever the spectrum is in the, according to the Word of God, but I want to encourage you, stay 
building according to the principles of the kingdom. Whatever it is, whatever the word of God says, stay building according to it. Because now that you've walked out of darkness, everything that he has promised you, he'll provide. Every single thing. Whatever he's promised, the vision that he has put in in Pastor Wayne's heart and his wife's heart, he's going to provide. That's the way he is. But he's preparing us now for what's about to come. Amen? This This is what he does. He starts to prepare his kids. And then when we get there, we're like, oh, yes, this is what we prayed about. We're done. God said, what, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ right now, it's only the beginning. Because none of us have tapped into all that God has promised. None of us have tasted and seen all that he has given us through Jesus Christ our Lord. We haven't. Because there's, there's more people that need to be healed. There's more people that need to get saved. There's a greater freedom that he wants to bring in our hearts. But we're going to have to die to ourselves even more. Because whatever area, the only areas in our lives that we struggle with are the areas that we do not surrender to the dominion of Jesus Christ. Every area that we run and we start bucking heads in, it's an area that we have not allowed his kingdom to penetrate. And we're holding back in a certain area in our lives. I sat with a lady on the way down on the plane. Nice lady. She was coming in for a funeral. And uh, she said, you know, we got talking and just talking about the Lord. And she said, I just have a problem loving people. And uh, she said, I can love some, you know, but some, she said, I just can't love them. And I thought, oh, I said, how long have you been saved? She said, a long time. And yet you struggle. But you see, the area that's not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now we look at someone that's different or acts different, and then we still say, I can't be around you. There's an area in our lives that isn't surrendered. It hasn't died yet because we want to do it our way. We want people that are like us. Listen, I've been around the, the world quite a few different places. I haven't found too many people like the people from Tucson, all right, or Marana. There's nobody like you out there, okay? <clears throat> but no matter what it is, unless it comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ, you're going to be limited in how God can use you. And he's going to tug at the areas that you want to hang on to. Why? Because he knows they're controlling you. And the freedom comes when you surrender that area to the Father. Luke twelve thirty two, it says, Fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to give all that Jesus did, he wants you to experience. Everything that, every promise that's in there, it's yea and amen for each and every person in here. There is nothing lacking in you. You are not too weak, you're not too slow, you're not... Whether if you're smart or not too smart, it doesn't matter. God uses each and every one of us exactly the way that he's designed us. So you're not lacking anything. You say you lack. God says you're more than enough. You say you're a failure. God says you're an overcomer. You say, I can't. God said all things are possible through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. So these are things that God wants to get ingrained in our mind. When you step in, listen, when I go to the U.S. Embassy, when we're overseas and I show my passport, I don't have to. I don't, I don't have to become a citizen of that country. And when I walk into that U.S. Embassy, it doesn't matter what's going on, it's like I'm on American soil. It is ju- I have all the authority that I have in another country right there in the midst of some place 
where I don't own anything. It's a piece of property, and that's the same thing with the Lord. When you accepted him, you stepped across that border. You stepped in to that place where his glory dwells. And now, no matter where you go, you're under that divine protection. You're under that divine regulation. You are under that type of freedom. So that every thought that you have, it's no longer are you quarantined, no longer are we in fear of wherever we walk. You're free. You're free to do the will of your Father. You don't have any, <clears throat> anything holding you back. In Ephesians 3.16, he said that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And that strength, and it means to be made strong, tough, enduring, to have energy or to act. And to be strong in prayer, to be strong in public, just to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ without being afraid of him. To be strong in giving, giving of our time, giving of our efforts, giving of our energies. All of these things, he said, listen, <clears throat> that he would grant you. So God's granting you the ability to pray. He's granting you the ability to read, to study, to show yourself approved. He's granting you the ability to give no matter what you have. You know, we started uh, a couple years ago. I told my wife, I said, honey, we have got to give like we never have before. I don't know what God's doing, but I have to give. And I bought a couple cars on the auction site online. And my wife said, uh, you know, I think you're getting a little out of control here. Because I took one of them and I just gave it away. And uh, then I bought another one and I gave that one away too. And she said, you know, honey, you said you were going to buy a couple of these to make money. And she said, I love what you're doing at the church, but you're terrible as a used car salesman because we don't make any money. You keep giving it away, and our savings account just keeps dropping down, 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 down. <clears throat> and I said, honey, I, I don't want to tell you. I have to give. And we were, I was going down to the shed, and I was just taking things out of the shed and just finding somebody to give this stuff to because I realized none of it's mine. And if I haven't used it in three years, there's no sense in having it in my shed. We might as well get rid of it. <clears throat> and so I, it was all good stuff, brand new, giving it away. And my wife, she, she said, honey, you got to stop. All right, you got to stop. Our savings account is just about gone. And I said, yep, God will supply. God will make a way. I said, I know I have to be obedient to what he says. And that's what he's saying. You're going to have to have the strength to do what he says, even when those around you are saying you're going too far. You're a, little bit, you're a little bit out there. You're crazy. You can't go to church all the time. You can't go there on a Friday night and a Saturday morning and a Saturday night and a Sunday. You're going too far. You've lost your mind. What do you need? God as a crutch. My pastor used to say, no, I don't need him as a crutch. I need him as a gurney. He said, and I just, I want him wheeling me around. <clears throat> but you know what God did was, um, after we gave everything and, uh, we just kept on living, and all of a sudden, my wife called me. I was, out to, I was out to lunch with another pastor, and she said, honey. I said, yeah. She said, uh, I got a check in the mail. I said, you did? She said, yeah. She said, were you expecting a check? I said, no, I wasn't expecting anything. She said, you didn't do no work for anybody? I said, no, because sometimes I do a little plumbing on the side. And, uh, but she said, well, you need to come home. I said, all right. So we come home, and the check was for $25,000. Somebody just sent us a check and said, hey, just wanted to sow a seed and say thank you for serving God. And my wife, I said, honey? She said, yeah. I said, can I buy another car? 
She said, you can buy as many cars as you want, baby. Just keep giving them away. But I want to encourage you. See, that's how it works in the kingdom of God. We weren't giving to get. I didn't know anything was coming. But I just know my father always makes a way. Therefore, when I go into prayer, I know that my father hears and answers my cry. Why? Because in his kingdom, he's not deaf. He's not. So when I go into my prayer closet, it's not, oh, thou, my God, thou art, thou art the father, the king of the universe. No. Hey, Dad, we got to have a chat. I'm not sure where we're supposed to go from here because he's my father and he's intimate with me. <clears throat> Everything that he has, he gives us the strength to do. And I want to encourage you, whatever he's called you to do, know that he's going to supply the need in the midst of it. He will always supply the need. It'll come from someplace you're not sure of. But I want you to know you're in a part, you're in a kingdom now. And in this kingdom has no end. This kingdom has no end. There is no, anything that you give to your God, you give your life to him. Anyone that has given their lives to God, we've never seen them go under. We've seen men and women have walked away from the principles of God that have caused problems. But when you step out and you give everything that you have as far as your life to the Father, he uses it mightily. Everyone that I have seen. We've got a kid that was in our church, and he's in Cambodia now in full-time missions. You know, we've taken over 400 kids into the mission field. We've never given them money. They all have to raise their own money. And every one of them that ever signed up to go always had the finances to go when they were ready to go. And they were going down there to serve however long we were going to be gone. So I want to encourage you. You're in a different kingdom. We've got to stop thinking small. We've got to stop thinking with fear. We've got to stop thinking with the carnal mind and the natural mind. We've got to start realizing that God gave you the spirit of God, and he's going to lead you according to what he heard in eternity. And therefore, what he heard, he's going to produce on the earth. But he just needs a vessel. And that's who we are. And we got to stop, right? Because what time is it? 8.15. You guys got to get out of here and get to bed. But I just want to, I want to encourage you. <clears throat> I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed begging for bread. Never. Never. We don't give to get. We give because he's given so much. We live in America. We have much to give. How grateful. You just turn the water on and it comes. You throw your bag in a trash bin outside and someone takes it away. They pick it up. You go down. You drive wherever you want across this country. And you can go anywhere you want. It doesn't matter. You have such freedom. Such freedom. And he's given us so much. And he's just looking for some of our time. He's looking for us to believe that he's that good, that he'll take care of every one of your needs. So I want to tell you, he's in the business of healing. He's in the business of saving. He's in the business of sustaining. He's in the business of rooting out the darkness. He's in the business of purifying every one of his kids so that we're not walking around flinching when different people come in. We're not walking around and, oh, geez, I can't witness to them. They have a three-piece suit. Oh, I can't witness to them. Whatever they look like, he starts to work on us, and it doesn't matter what they look like anymore because every one of them are dying. And if they don't know Jesus Christ, they're going to spend a Christless eternity. We have a plumber in town that uh, I started witnessing to. I met him in the, in the back alley, and I talked to him. He accepted the Lord, but he didn't want to come. To, he came to church for a little while, and then he just stopped coming to church, and I saw him on the street. And he was all jaundiced. He was all yellow. 
I said, what's going on with you? You look terrible. I said, you got to back to church, man. We're going to pray for you. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a problem with my liver. I said, I'm telling you, get back. And he said, okay, because he was leaving, going somewhere. And uh, last week, his sister found him dead on the floor, 51 years old. Yep. Thank God he accepted Jesus Christ. He's a big guy, burly. People were intimidated by him. I don't care who they are, what they have. If they don't know Jesus Christ, they're done because they did a survey. Ten out of ten people die. Right? Nobody survives. And only those that know Jesus Christ live in eternity with him. So you've got it. You've got a gift that's bigger than anything you've ever experienced before. You've got more on the inside of you than what you've allowed out. He's screaming, let me out. Let me out. Tell somebody about him today. Come on. Let me use you today. This is what God's doing. He said, don't worry about it. You're in my kingdom. I've got everything taken care of. I'm going to make a way. Watch. Watch. As you step out. As you pray. As you give. As you love. As you sow. Watch what I do with you. Because you're no different than Billy Graham or anybody else on this planet. Because he's no respecter of persons. Amen? Wonderful. Let's stand up tonight. I pray that I encourage you tonight to think about something much bigger than yourself. Your marriage <clears throat> is powerful because where one puts a thousand, two put ten thousand. Amen? According to the scripture. Nothing is impossible for all of us in here. Listen, if you're single in here, the Bible says that you should have no other focus than just him. Just him giving everything that we have to him. And I guarantee you, when you give everything to him, you will not be disappointed. Oh, oh, we'll not be disappointed. But let's pray. Father, I thank you for this body. Lord, we're so grateful that as they come and they've studied the word of God, Lord, as they've come and they've knit their hearts together to glorify you. Father, as they've come and they've, they've lifted up their hearts and said, Father, here we are. What would you have us do? Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, fill every single one again anew. Lord, the ones that have been struggling, for those that have just been sitting back, Father, for those that maybe even have been disappointed, Father, I pray right now that you would touch them in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, and that there would be a fresh infilling. And Lord, it would, it would be that light that shines in that area, the area, oh God, of complacency, the area of fear, the area, whatever it is, that that light would shine in there and start to root out that darkness. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, deal with whatever he is pointing at. He's pointing into each one of our hearts because the Scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And all the issues of life flow out of the heart. And as he comes tonight, there's a purpose. There's a purpose that he's coming tonight. And he's touching your heart because he needs you to change many more people's lives. But unless you get freed from that thought, that wrong thought of who you are outside of his word, then you're going to limit yourself and how much he can use you. And Father, tonight I thank you that as your spirit touches each and every one, Lord, there's a freshness right now. There's a newness. Father, that there's a joy again, that when we enter into prayer tonight before we lay down, tomorrow morning as we arise, we enter in and we feast at the master's table. Lord, no matter how much we feast, your table never gets cleared off. You replenish it faster than we can possibly feast. Your love 
is amazing. Father, as we walk in tonight and tomorrow, Lord, let there be another thought that comes in, and it's yours. Let it be a face that comes in, and it's one that we're to touch. Let it be an area that we're to let go of, and we do it immediately. Father, whatever it is that you want to do, we're open tonight. We say, here we are. Take our lives. Mold us. Shape us. Change us so that you're glorified in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.